1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The expansion draft does continue. As I uh, mentioned, Jordan Eberle claimed and uh, really no surprises from all the reports this morning. Uh, I do not believe Adam Larson has officially been announced yet, but he's the guy they're taking off the Oilers and they signed him to a four year deal worth $16 million, so $4 million a year for Adam Larson. Blue Jays in action tonight, top of the seventh. Red Sox lead the Jays 5-4. We will uh, continue with the uh, Oilers' discussion as we move through to the end of the show at 8 o'clock. We'll also have a, a very honest, uh, a tough story, but uh, also hopefully a story that uh, you'll see some positive out of as well. Tyler Redwood is going to join us. He's a, a trainer and driver of Standard Red Horses. And uh, he's had uh, some addiction issues that he's being very honest and uh, open about. And he's going to tell his story coming up between 7.30 and 8. One of the other things I saw this morning, besides the, all the Adam Larson stuff, was the Edmonton Elks releasing Kenny Stafford, receiver who was uh, in his third stint with the team. He's kind of bounced around a few teams lately. And uh, head coach Jamie Elizondo on this transaction.
2: Yeah, Kenny's a good player. Uh, we just decided to go in a different direction. Kenny did some good things in practice. Uh, there were some other things that just didn't fit. You know, wasn't wasn't a cultural fit, and so we.
1: Kellen, can you let's play that again? Let's 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 play that again. Elizondo and releasing Kenny Stafford.
2: Yeah, Kenny's a good player. Uh, we just decided to go in a different direction. Kenny did some good things in practice. Uh, there were some other things that just didn't fit. You know, wasn't wasn't a cultural fit, and so we.
1: Okay, well, that that's an interesting one uh, for a coach to come out and say that. And uh, we've had Kenny Stafford on this show several times over the years. He's always been very personable and very outgoing. Um, so interesting that his, uh, his new head coach says he was not a cultural fit. And we'll bring Dave Campbell onto the show, who's been covering Elks training camp. Hmm, Dave, hmm. that's curious. What's going on? How do you read this here? Well... You know, that,
0: that's those are two words when you put them together. They seem pretty harsh, right? It seems like an indictment on a on, on a person. This had nothing to do with Kenny Stafford's effort level or his play on the field. He's been repping with the ones ever since the start of camp. Darrell Walker, of course, was in quarantine. He arrived late and was in quarantine. And the last couple of days, or even including today, uh, Darrell Walker hasn't done much work he's been more observing his workload was increased today but you know kenny did a good job of of uh being with the starters and and performing so this clearly has nothing to do with the performance on the field now the one thing we know you and i know about kenny stafford a he's opinionated b he's outspoken c he can be a bit stubborn but he means well he really does and Jason Moss had Kennedy Stafford for the better part of two and a half seasons. Uh, in 26, uh, 2017, Kenny Stafford only played five games, spent most of the time on the practice roster. And then in 2018, he was a regular 2019. He was a regular off to a good start. Then he was traded to Saskatchewan for the, uh, for the, for kick returner, Kristen Jones and Stafford didn't play a game in, in Saskatchewan. So the point I'm getting at is Jason Moss, has a lot of patience for his players. He has a long leash. He has a long or not leash, a long rope. So, he'll let a, you know, a personality not affect him. And Jason Moss has been around many personalities. Then he had Chris Jones prior to Jason Moss who uh had Kenny Stafford in 2015, had a good year that year, nine touchdowns and Kenny told the, the story back in November when we had our Green and Gold Great Cup week about you know him screaming at Chris Jones to throw the challenge flag on a pass interference call against Darrell Walker in the Grey Cup game and he ended up doing it and he says when I when I speak I blank out right and I I these things come out so I'm not I don't know what what happened clearly there was a conversation or clearly there was something that led up to this move happening but uh Kenny Stafford had to prove himself to a coaching staff all over again and you know, he never had Jamie Elizondo as, as a coach. He never had Winston October as a receivers coach and a pass game coordinator. And sometimes your particular personality maybe will rub someone the wrong way when it didn't, you know, to a previous regime. So I'm trying to put all the pieces together. You know, cultural fit, not a cultural fit. That seems a little little harsh. But I think clearly there is something that didn't fit in the vision of Jamie Elizondo away from the play of uh, on the field so they're just i don't know what it was but but here we are today
1: yeah it's an interesting that a coach would come out and say that um and and you know maybe if, maybe if he were to talk again he wouldn't exactly uh choose those words who knows but from a football perspective was it going to be tough for stafford To crack the roster or to be a starter? What do they have? Obviously, you know, with the ratio, do they have a Canadian that could have done what he was going to do if he wasn't going to be one of the main guys?
0: Well, you look at ratio wise, I'm glad you brought up ratio because that always, you know, that always kind of paints the picture pretty clear. It looks like they're going to start three Americans and two Canadians. That's how they've been doing it all through camp. And, their top three it's pretty obvious who it's going to be american wise it's going to be Darrell walker greg ellingson and Armonte edwards and then your canadians likely it's going to be devon smith or shy ross who's having a heck of a training camp he is one of the guys that has really caught my eye and mike jones who came over from the hamilton tiger cats so i think that's how it sets up uh if you look in camp there's been some depth players that had to play because of some injuries you know Edwards and, and Ellingson just got back today they they missed some time the last few days but someone like Kenny Shaw has played really well and Kenny Shaw was a thousand yard receiver with the Toronto Argos and since then he's kind of had some injury issues and played in Saskatchewan a little bit in 2018 but he's looked good it was going to be tough for Kenny Stafford to crack the roster anyway so I I think there's a there's a there's definitely a a clear depth chart on the American side with Walker Ellingson Edwards. And then after that, you know, it's Kenny Shaw or, or, or Kenny Stafford. So I don't think uh, being the way the ratio set up with, you know, it looks like it's going to be three Americans and two Canadians is how the Elks are going to set it up with the receiving core was going to be hard for Kenny to make the roster.
1: Okay. All right. Well, so uh, there's a the story there. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, what What is going on with the return game? This is a position that has been a conversation point for several years, certainly the eight years I've been doing this show, though I guess we didn't have a football season last year. Uh, and it's <laughs> been a conversation point It in that it has been often lamented in that the yeah. Elks, as they're known now, and the previous uh, name of the team, didn't have a breakaway returner. And sometimes nope. we felt like we had the eighth or ninth best return game in the league. We know about that. Uh, I think we're at about a five-season drought of a punt return touchdown. And you remember
0: the last you know, French... one could get a touchdown? Do you, do you remember that one, I think? Oh, I think can, you remember. Can I say but... it? Can I say yeah. it? Yes, of course. Can
1: dial. There was it not go.
0: Kendall Lawrence? <laughs> Kendall Lawrence against Toronto, uh, a game against the Argos in late August. I believe James Franklin started that
1: game. Maybe it wasn't so, five yeah. years, but it's, it's around then. Uh, so what's, what's going on? Cause didn't we get this guy from Calgary that was a star in the gray cup a few years ago? How many times have we talked
0: about Terry Williams? That's the name. Terry Williams, yes, he had the key play in the breakup cup game on a very poor field, uh, icy, slick field on the Brickfield of Commonwealth Stadium. You remember, he, it was late in the second quarter. He picked the ball up, and he slipped, and then he reset himself, and he went straight down. Uh, it looked like he straight went straight down the, the right hash and, and the and the numbers somewhere in that range, and he scored a touchdown. That was the difference. And how many times have we have seen Terry Williams burn uh, the Double E in the past? Uh, if you remember a game in 2019 in August, not Labor Day, but Terry Williams had two touchdowns that game, but one was called back and the first return was called back because and on that play he O'Neil knee. and he kept playing the rest of the game. and remember the second time that actually pounded, Williams went down the the near sideline. Uh, and, and he O'Neill tried to plant and make a tackle, but he couldn't. So Terry Williams has this game breaking ability uh, in the return game that we haven't seen for a long, long time. I'm trying to think back to, to who was this dynamic uh, of a returner. And we've had Tristan Jackson and we've had Tony Tompkins. And I think the best returner after Giz was uh, probably Winston October who's with the team now uh as, the, as I mentioned the receiver coach in the pass game coordinator he was uh with the team in the early to mid 2000s but Terry Williams is someone that can definitely flip the field uh for you and uh, he can also be a factor in the offense but if, uh, is he going to be used in the offense is going to be a question for me uh, that I'm going to want answered throughout the season but Terry Williams, he's always out there in the combined yardage uh, total. He's, you know, he's top three, uh, has been that way for the last few years and definitely a threat in, in both the kick, the kickoff return game and, more importantly, the punt return
1: game. All right. Uh, Dave, thanks for that update. One more before I let you go. Who, who do we have at quarterback after Trevor Harris now?
0: Uh, his name is Troy Williams. I think he is far and away the backup. Uh, he was here in 2019, and he was the third quarterback behind Logan Kilgore and ultimately became Kilgore's backup when Trevor Harris was hurt in the Labor Day rematch game. Uh, Troy Williams in practice in 2019 was, uh, was really good. And then he played a couple of games at the end of the season, well, the last two games. He did some short yardage duty, and I don't know if you remember, Reed, but uh, he was on – he had a couple of sneak opportunities on the goal line and didn't didn't make it. Uh, his technique wasn't that good. And then I, I remember the game the next week. I, I believe the uh, the the game you, we had a doubleheader that day. You the uh, Oilers beat the Penguins. Um, oh, the I Mike Smith
1: fifty-one save game, yeah. That's the
0: one. And I remember because the Riders had to win the game to make the playoffs, and Cody Fajardo didn't play because he had the back injury. So Isaac Harker played, and the D at the time, or the double-E uh, defense at the time, they gave them all kinds of fits. So the game was in question until the fourth quarter, but then Jason Moss decided, I'm pulling all the, all the ones, and the twos and threes can play now, whoever was in the game at the time. So Troy Williams came in, and I think he had two pass attempts. Uh, I think it was like one for three. Uh, so one completion and the two uh, incompletions were actually interceptions. And one was a pick six to win the game for, for the Riders. So, but he's looked good in camp. He's got a good arm. Uh, I think his accuracy has improved big time. He's made some really tight uh sideline throws and throw tight windows that I've seen. He's done uh, the same thing over the middle and his mobility is something that you notice. Uh, he, uh, he can really step up in the pocket and he can, he, and throw the football as well when he when he steps up in the pocket and after that you got uh, taylor cornelius who i think probably has the uh the third quarterback job i mean drew anderson that's in the mix as well but cornelius has a relationship with Dondo back in the xfl days with tampa bay and uh, i think he's uh you know, I think there's a big drop-off uh, between Williams and and Cornelius and Anderson, but I think Cornelius has uh, has played a lot better than than Anderson. So Troy Williams looks like he's going kind to of be the backup to uh, Trevor Harris, but you hope that Trevor Harris can stay healthy the whole season.
1: Okay. Well, Dave, thanks for the update, and especially diving into that Kenny Stafford stuff. Uh, that is uh, really interesting. I hope Kenny is able to latch on with another team. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. You bet. Take care. That is Dave Campbell, our Elks analyst here on 630 Chet and the producer of this very show. So not a cultural fit. That's why Jamie Elizondo says that receiver Kenny Stafford has been uh, let go and maybe some hope for the Elks return game with Terry Williams. That would be good. That would be very good. It is 7. 18 i'll catch up on some of your texts about uh larson hyman Oilers stuff when we get back to inside sports Donskoy, Ionis Donskoy, Jonas Donskoy. I pronounced it better than Sean Kemp did. Uh, <laughs> going to Seattle. Just updating it here. Uh, Edmonton native John Quenville claimed by Chicago. Tyler Pitlick, the former oiler, claimed off the Arizona roster. Jamie Alexiak claimed from Dallas. Uh, again, we knew all these were coming. Carson Soucy claimed off Minnesota. Kelly Yarncroft claimed from Nashville. Vince Dunn off the st louis roster mason appleton from the jets hayden flurry from the ducks as seattle makes its expansion picks and they will eventually announce adam larson as their pick off of the edmonton oilers 780-496-0063 former d-man mark says losing adam larson is like a kick in the junk One shouldn't take it personally, but in this case, as an Oilers fan, I do. The Oilers are finally at the point where they will be able to compete for Lord Stanley's Cup, and he buggers off. Makes little sense. He's made a choice, and that is his prerogative that he earned. I also think taxes play a part in this. I also think he wants to get out from under the microscope. That said, Adam Larson is a good number 3-4 defenseman. He has little, if any, offensive upside. He is a solid PK and shutdown man, however. That is from former D-man, Mark. I think that's uh, a fair assessment. Uh, I, I I don't know. Did Adam Larson want to get out from under the microscope? I'm not sure. I, I mean, I, I, you never know, I suppose, what athletes are thinking. I mean, Edmonton, like other Canadian cities, hockey is everything. And uh, the game gets analyzed, sometimes even overanalyzed, quite frankly. And I say that as someone who does some of the overanalyzing at times. But, uh, yeah, again, you got to replace them, And can you replace them with someone who is just as good or even a little bit better? I think that's the challenge, and that's, uh, you know, trying to do that without overpaying for somebody. Zach Hyman, the Oilers are are talking to him. Maybe there's a sign and trade there with the Maple Leafs. And, you know, if the Oilers sign Hyman, it's probably going to be an overpay as well. If, If not in terms of money, then probably in terms of term. If you trade for his rights, then you can sign him for eight years. Well, the guy just turned twenty nine, so that's a contract uh, going until he's thirty seven. He's a good player. He had sixty five points in seventy one games in eighteen nineteen. The production dropped off in nineteen twenty. He had, uh, or pardon me, I thought I'm not even reading the right column. He had forty one points in seventy one games in eighteen nineteen. Thirty seven and fifty one in the season that was shortened because of the pandemic, and then this past year thirty three and forty three. So I guess around. Um, two thirds of a point per game, so not bad. That would be an upgrade for the Oilers. Would it be enough? Trent replying to former D-man Mark. He says, "I think Larson knows the Oilers will never compete for Lord Stanley's Cup." Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. There's some work to do. I mean, i I've, I've said it a million times. The Oilers are a good team trying to become a great team. I think that's the hardest step. And uh, I I think it's going to be tough to get there this summer. I I mean, they need some pretty important. Like if you compare them to Tampa Bay and the Islanders and Boston and, you know, really good teams, Vegas that went deep into the playoffs, the the Oilers aren't there. And I, and it's going to be tough to fill all those holes in, in this summer. Like, I I think there's some work to do. I I really think we could see the Oilers finishing eighth to 13th in the overall standings for the, the next chunk of years because they got some work to do in my mind to get over the hump okay we'll dive into a uh bit of a tough story very personal story from tyler redwood when we get back Officially official, Seattle Kraken claim Adam Larson from the Edmonton Oilers. That's been the big story today in the Edmonton hockey world on the baseball diamond. It is 7 4, the Red Sox leading the Blue Jays in the top of the eighth in Buffalo. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 63 Chad. We're going to go to the hotline here for certain teed professional grade building materials. We have a very special guest on the show tonight. He was recently featured in a story on thehorses.com. And the headline Tyler Redwood Candid on Past Addiction Issues, the Inspiration That Pulled Him Through Dark Times. And he's going to share that story with us tonight. Tyler, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I really appreciate you coming on the show, Tyler. I know know we talked uh, briefly a few days ago, and and we're going to expand on that conversation. You know, before we sort of dive into some of the things you've been through here, I'll start with kind of the sports question. Tell us just about uh, getting involved in racing. Um, I don't claim to be an expert in that world, but I know you got to be very passionate about it to commit to it. So how did you get involved in racing?
2: I would say I was roughly... As early as I can remember, about eight, nine years old, I have wind pictures of my father taking me around the racetrack.
1: Okay, and uh, so, right, like, how how did you help out with your dad and stuff?
2: Mm -hmm. I would just show up around the barn area and just sit around listen to everybody talk, and then if you're just going to sit around and listen, you're eventually going to be forced to do some work. And uh, the animals just became... uh, I don't know. I guess a a passion right from there. I was just immediately drawn to like uh, their look, what they do, and the the feelings they give inside me of happiness.
1: And when did you sort of uh, when did it become a career for you? Because what you're a trainer and a driver now of Standard Breads?
2: Yes, uh, I would roughly say like as early as fall of 13 years old i can remember getting exemptions from my principals to to miss school to fulfill uh what was going to be my future my career and then it became a full-on training
1: career at the age of 16. oh wow okay so you, you dove into it at, at a pretty young age and where has it uh has it taken you around western canada around the world where are some of the places you've worked uh i've mainly
2: done all my training and everything in saskatchewan and then we we did get shut down through the government and then so i had to relocate uh my then uh ex-partner now uh and my children to alberta into edmonton and then we moved to old alberta where we are now i've uh, been to bc and back i've been all through manitoba and uh, those are the places that I have reached so far.
1: Okay. Well, so you got the passion for it and uh, you know, you've gone where the sport has taken you. So there's a little bit about uh, your horse racing career, but as I said, the the headline on the horses.com that uh, Redwood candid on past addiction issues, the inspiration that pulled them through dark times. And I know that you said you wanted to share that tonight because maybe you can help some other people. Can you tell us a, a little bit about, those addiction issues and how they started for you?
2: Oh, I would say it started early on. Like I can remember having my first drink probably at around the age of 13. And, uh, I remember the feeling that it gave me, uh, how it made me more acceptable, more, more sociable to be with people because I, I always considered myself to often to be like an outcast quiet, and I never realized it until I started going back to house parties. And I was like, holy shit. There's part of my language in that. But I, I fit in. I am one of these people. And then uh, it just kept spiraling and spiraling. And I guess I became uh, a functioning alcoholic at the time up until I had my, my uh, car accident or my ATV accident in September of 2012. And then uh, I had a choice to make. I either had my family to choose or my drinking to choose. So I I chose my family at the time and uh, gave up drinking, started with back on, uh, I've always smoked marijuana, but then I became dependent on it. And uh, eventually it had... uh, Taking over every thought that I had, that it's all I can think about, and all I can do is uh, medicate throughout the days.
1: How were you able to kind of function as a as a family guy and also in the in the sport of horse racing while you were were dealing with these issues? How did you do that?
2: Uh, like when it was like. Alcoholic-wise, like, when I was living in Saskatchewan racing, uh, my partner then had lived in Regina and I lived in Yorkton. And she would only come up on weekends with the children, so I had five, six days of the week to do whatever I wanted, uh, which was usually consumed of drinking of some sort. So I, uh, I virtually lived a double life. Because nobody, she never knew those, that side of me, but everybody
1: else around the racetrack did, but I was able to function and do it still. Did anybody ever try to step in and say, hey, Tyler, we think, we think you're going a little overboard here? Did those conversations ever happen?
2: No, I, I can't really say because I was, I was the supplier most of the time, right? When you're the supplier, nobody wants to bring you down, and a lot of people around the track were drinkers. So they always pretty much joined in. So a Friday night would consume of four, four cases of 24 and five pizzas. So who's going to say no and continue on?
1: Was there anything else that sort of triggered this for you? If you don't mind me asking whether it was pain management or depression or anything from earlier in your life?
2: Well, like after I got into the program of recovery where I'm at now, just over a year and a half ago, uh, I started writing. We do Step Works and we do Steps, and started writing through it, and it all started making sense because it goes back to very early traumatic ages, of even being at the the ripe age of, of three and four years old, uh, up until uh, I started using substances to to cover those things uh and then having to deal with uh, the stigma of being i don't know what you would call it uh i guess another drunk native right because that's virtually what i became after because we lived with that and that's what
1: i became Tyler Redwood joining us tonight on Inside Sports Trainer and Driver, Standard Bred Horses, uh, checking in from Olds, Alberta, about uh, dealing with addiction and his journey, and he's also going to tell you why he's sharing his story tonight. Now, uh, it it appears from the article I read, and I'll get you to put it in your own words, that things are in a a better place than maybe they were a couple of years ago. Can you tell us what your 10-year-old said to you in January of 2020 that really turned it around for you?
2: It's a... Every time I get asked the question of what it is, it's, it, uh, it's hard to say because, well, it's, it's a grateful thing to say, but it's hard to say because I always picture the face on her when she asked me the question of why I spend all my time in the garage and I don't get to spend time with you, Dad. It was a very heartbreaking moment for me to to see a little child's face so broken. And I can remember days of my own self when I sat in the garage of days that I became so broken when I didn't have the love and nurturing that I I needed. So I knew right then and there that uh, this wheel of family addictions and mental health issues has to stop and it has to stop with me so my children don't have to go through it.
1: So who did you turn to for help back in January 2020? How did you start on the road to feeling better? I just said to myself, I got to get to
2: a meeting. I picked up a phone. I called a friend of mine, Troy. And uh, I've I've been going... I've been through uh, AA with some people on that, but it wasn't the right program for me. So I started going back and I went through my first doors of narcotics anonymous which dramatically changed my days, changed my life. Uh I will never forget the program that has given me what I got today.
1: Yeah. How's the horse racing community reacted since they've maybe found out some of the things you were struggling with and, and gone public about it and, and tried to make big changes in your life?
2: You know, for a while, I thought I would take a little, people would be a little more standoffish. But, like, to understand how dark a days I really had with uh, suicide attempts, sharing my past abuse, uh, physically, mentally, sexually—everything that has came along through the whole upbringing. Uh, people have commended me to to be able to share those words, share those those uh, traumatic things that have happened, and they they're inspired by what I have done, and I was able to talk about it and share different. Uh, Emotions of what I've been through and how I can deal with them and get through another day without having to use uh, Whether it's using alcohol, whether it's using prescription drugs, whether it's using marijuana, whether it's using hard drugs Um, I don't I don't have to do that anymore with sharing my story to everybody in and around the barn area, and they've all come up to me now. I have people, I have a select, I would say five people that come and talk to me almost on a daily basis that they have some kind of issue for the day. And I can talk to them. I can get them out of that moment. I can make them help them change their mind, get them doing something else. Uh, live with the model of move, uh, move a muscle, change a thought.
1: So is that ultimately why you decided to be public with what you've gone through? You know, I mentioned the, the story on thehorses.com. You were, you were very willing to, to come on tonight. I mean, you could have done all this privately and, 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 you know, gotten better and felt better, but you could have done it all privately. You, you, in your own words, why did you decide to be public with it?
2: I believe that there's so many stigmas that goes along with addictions, uh, mental health. Uh, racial equality, uh, all these things that I have endured that uh, don't get spoke of very highly in our community of horse racing. Uh, I just want to keep bringing it up that we can talk about these things. We don't have to live and rely to be dependent on certain things to get us through the day when uh, all it takes is your voice to make a change. I want to continue helping people that struggle every day uh, because I can only keep what I have by giving it away, right? And that's a, that's a thing that I learned through the program of recovery that I have to keep sharing and I have to keep teaching and keep learning from others. So I want to keep trying to help somebody that's sitting in the shadow, that. Seize a light, but scared to make that step forward where I can hopefully be a voice for them to break it, break through, open the door and confine and find a happy spot in their life again.
1: Tyler, thanks for sharing that. I, I really appreciate your honesty. This is, uh, you know, I can tell it's emotional for you to talk about, even though you, you've told your story to uh, to a lot of people over the last couple of years. But thanks for sharing it on Inside Sports. Uh, I should also ask you, we started with sports stuff, we'll end with sports stuff. When are you back on the track? I think you were racing last night. What's uh, what's coming up this week?
2: Uh, yeah, we, we raced last night. I had my mirror. Uh, uh, her name's Starflight. She was just another uh image of me we were two broken people or i was a broken person she was a broken horse uh we were able to come back together and create a bond and we created an amazing racehorse out of her that was not a nominee for an award which she didn't win but in my mind we we still win uh she was second last night uh she had a slow start to her season she's a very troubling horse with uh health issues But she's on the right track, so we're going to look back. Uh, Let's also say Saturday we also had a horse race out of my barn that set a track record in Lacombe. So we're going to have horses back again for Lacombe and then probably back again Tuesday for uh, Century Downs
1: right on tyler well again thank you for sharing your story i'll be definitely keeping an eye on how you're doing thanks for your honesty thanks for sharing what you've gone through and thanks for sharing how you've been able to take some really positive steps in your life i wish you all the best and i hope we get to we run into each other at a track someday it'd be awesome to meet you in person i appreciate it I, I i am greatly
2: grateful for what you have done to bring this to a limelight And uh, if anybody out there needs to talk, wants to just share a message, uh, my inbox is open all the time on Facebook. Uh, Feel free to drop a message, and we can get through today and worry about tomorrow,
1: tomorrow. Well said. Thanks, Tyler. Thank you so much that is Tyler Redwood checking in. If you want to look for him on Facebook, common spelling, Tyler Redwood trainer and driver of standard bred horses, told you a little bit about his schedule ahead and uh, man, Oh man, that was uh, that was honest. That was a lot of honesty from Tyler and he, uh, he had a tough road. He told you about dealing with uh, addiction and dealing with things in his past. And eventually uh, January of 2020, um, going to smoke cannabis in the garage and his 10 year old Parker says, uh, why are you in the garage and all with your family? And he realized that he needed to, he needed to make some changes in his life and he stepped up and changed them. And as he said, he's, uh, he's sharing it- that story with people because as you know like you said since he's done that people have come to him for help and uh, he wants to let people know that that they can take uh, steps to to maybe change situations that aren't healthy for them in their lives that was tyler redwood i'm going to tweet out a link to the story as well that was written by jeff robillard from uh, horse racing alberta a really good story and that inspired us to bring tyler on the show it's inside sports on chat. Tyler Redwood on the show. Robbie texts in, he says, awesome interview with Tyler. Thank you. I am four months sober and is these sorts of people who inspire me. Jeremy from Glendon, nice to hear from you, sir. He says, great segment with Tyler covering some tough topics. Our First Nation peoples have had such deep roots in the horse industry, whether that be racing, rodeo, or the chuck wagons, and it's cool to hear these stories and learn more about their sports and them as people. That is from Jeremy from Glendon. And uh, Mark writes in, great guest. It takes courage to admit one's faults and weaknesses, certainly commendable as i think hearing his story will help those who struggle with addiction and the shame of being a child abuse survivor proud of him yeah that was uh well you heard tyler getting emotional i I, you know and i i I did talk to tyler earlier in the week and i said are you comfortable just kind of going anywhere and he said you know ask whatever you want he said it it might be tough for me but i do want to get that message out there and uh, I, i think he definitely did and i do think it's important to to, to hear those stories, whether they be, you know, on a show like this from people with uh, working in the sports world in standard bread racing, like Tyler is, or you hear sometimes things like that on other shows uh, as well. And he wants to inspire people and uh, he wants to help people. So, and I, and I think he's doing that for sure. Great to have Tyler Redwood on the show and thanks to Jeff at horse racing Alberta for helping to facilitate that. I also want to remind you voting open for the Edmonton Elks all time all stars. Presented by 630 Chet and Global News Hour at 6. Go to our website, vote for the players you feel are the greatest of all time at each position. You can also enter to win a pair of season tickets to the Elks. Tune in to Inside Sports next week to see if your favorites make the cut, and we'll feature some of them on the show as well. Dave Campbell is a producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer this evening. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening.